This fucking guy. Hello, my little buttered crumpets. Welcome to This Fucking Guy, a podcast about self-care, if self-care is one long scream into the void. Here is where we use expletives and alcohol to emotionally process the creeps, jerks, and P-words that compose the shitty elevator music of our lives. I'm going to bed. My stomach is sick. Ren Martinez. And it's all in my head, Ginger Golub. It's all in my head, actually, because none of that's true. <laughs> in a literal sense. We should we should have switched them, but it wouldn't have made sense. Uh, eh. uh, <laughs> Making sense? That's not part of our brand, Ginger. Absolutely not. <laughs> oh. oh, boy. How, How are you, you doing? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, um... It's been a it's been a rough week, um, two weeks I guess. Um, so, dear listeners, uh, last week my grandmother passed away, uh, which is why we were on hiatus. Um, it's, it was, I mean, our our whole family really came together. Uh, Grandma Martinez was a was the matriarch. I mean, she was omnipresent, took care of everything. Her house was the party house. Everyone was adopted into the family. It didn't matter who you were, like you were part of you were part of the Martinez clan. And so while yes, she was ninety-three, so of course it's like, you know, she doesn't have another like thirty years with us or anything. No. It was still a little sudden too. So yeah. um it sucks and it hurts and it sucks. But now I have her little Cookie frog sponge dish already on my sink. Um, those little knickknacks that were all throughout my childhood. I also got a book of Puerto Rican cooking recipes. It's actually a reprint of a cookbook from Puerto Rico from like 1970. That's like mm-hmm. in Spanish. This one's in English, so I can read it. Uh- <laughs> Uh, so I'm really excited to start trying my hand at like really traditional Boricua cuisine, like mofongo and pasteles and acapurias, like the full gamut. I was going to ask you if this meant that you were going to make me mofongo, because uh, it is the only name of Puerto Rican cuisine <laughs> that I can remember and then you already named it so I don't sound smart. Mofongo is probably going to be something I work on later. It's a little bit more complicated. Um, but, uh, the first thing I'm going to do is, um, my grandma's rice. And it's this, it's kind of like a paella type dish. But if you make it the Puerto Rican way, which I can't because of my husband, but in the traditional <laughs> Puerto Rican way is with Vienna sausages. <laughs> what? Island cooking is very interesting because, like, they don't huh. have the same access to, like, ingredients. So, yeah. like, Vienna sausages are, like, a big thing because it's an easily acquirable canned good. Like, can make a, it, I thought Vienna sausages were made out of chicken. No, I'm pretty sure they're a pork product. You can definitely get chicken ones. Well, the point is, that's my first thing I'm going to work on is my grandmother's rice recipe. So, you know, it's it's cooking is the way I connect to people. So I'm very excited. That is true. It has been very hard in this sort of the the end part of COVID, but still during COVID to not be able to bring you a casserole. Yeah, it's, yeah, so it's been kind of, it's been a shitty week, but I'm looking forward to getting back to my routine and, you know, 
honoring Grandma Martinez's legacy by drinking heavily and partying till 3 a.m. As she would have wanted. She would have wanted and did. So just in addition to just the shitty week that you've had, is there anything uh, from the greater world that you want to scream into the void? I do, but it's a good thing. I want to bless everybody with this discovery I have made. So particularly the time of COVID, I've had very little serotonin. So I've been, and of course we can't like hang out with our friends. So I've been really leaning into parasocial relationships, (laughs) (laughs) particularly now I'm on Twitch and I watch a bunch of video game streamers. Mm -hmm. And there's this one guy, Sinobeats. He's in Scotland. He's hilarious. And he plays games, and he's good. But he also now has really introduced a segment called Trash TV. And so you watch TV with him, and it's like he's watched um, Don't Tell the Bride. And, oh, my God. Yeah, right? A Bar Rescue. And just, like, it's great. But he was like, let's see. He was like, let's watch this new show, and this will be more like Treat TV, right? Mm-hmm. And it's, oh, so delightful. It's called The Doghouse. It's a it's a BBC show. Mm-hmm. And it's about rehoming dogs with beautiful families who just want a pet to love. Oh. And it's like it's like great British bake off levels of just like wonderful, pleasant, happy serotonin giving with just a little bit of an emotional element, you know? But like it's all about getting puppers good homes, and it's so wonderful. And, like, they actually do a really good job, too, of, like, they usually feature, like, three families an episode. And, like, the first one, two of the families ended up adopting the dog they met, and one didn't. But they don't frame it as a bad thing. They were like, yeah, you know, they, they you know, it just happened to do not work out, we're not ready, or what have you. And, and it's framed in a really positive way of, like, mm-hmm. you have to be... You know, it has to be the right dog for you and you have to be with the right family for them. And I really like that framing because so often it's like if you just like the dog, it doesn't matter what your family circumstances are. You just get it, which ends up they end up being rehomed so much more. So it's just oh, it's been so warm and delightful. And it's like I'm I'm actually debating about getting an HBO Max subscription Not for fucking Game of Thrones, could not give less of a shit, but (laughs) for the doghouse, because, oh, puppies. (laughs) The last episode featured this Pomeranian named Bear, and there's nothing better than a big fluffy palm named Bear. (laughs) The noise I made is going to be so hard for you to edit to anything normal. Oh, Jesus. (laughs) So... It's it's delightful. I just want to let all everyone know that this is the this is the show. If you need cuddles, emotional cuddles, watch the doghouse. <sighs> it makes me almost want a dog. Actually, what it makes me want to do is go to your house. So I yeah, can no, just come dog. to my house. Just yeah, just borrow. Oh my god, you can borrow my dogs. Oh, Jesus, <laughs> I love them so much, but they are just so. I just love being a dog aunt. Like that is like yes. perfection because I get to get my cuddles and like my little hangouts and I'm like, oh look at you now. and then I'm like, bye. <laughs> See you later. Timeshare dogs. Right? Dude, that now that is a startup idea. 
timeshare dog. That's true. <laughs> I'll give you, I'll put $10 toward it. That's my investment <laughs> in this new business venture. I am so conscious of the fact that I'm drinking the world's loudest drink right now. <laughs> iced coffee, swill of ice. Yes, but the iced coffee is now done and we're going to switch to alcohol for this. Which is perfect because now it's time for therapy. All right, Gingy. Why don't you, because I know you're very excited about this, tell me about this fucking guy. Well... Here we go. I'm just going to launch right into it. Richard Allen Gardner was born in the Bronx on April 28th, 1931. You're not going to know this name. Yeah, I was like, what a wind-up. <laughs> yeah. He graduated from Columbia University in 1952 and got his medical degree from SUNY Downstate Medical Center in 1956. After interning at the Montefiore Hospital, he completed residencies in both adult and child psychiatry at the New York State Psychiatric Institute. Well, I already don't like where this is going. Yeah, no, no, we're good. I mean, it's this show. I don't know what you were expecting. Well, no, it, it's specifically, I mean, again, I don't know this name. Yeah. Um, I don't know this man. Will I? Does he have a name change? Will I mm -mm. like somehow know this man? No. Okay. So I don't know this Richard Gardner man. But you also said 1950s child psychiatry. So I'm already like, uh oh, yeah. uh oh. <laughs> Hold on to that instinct. <laughs> um. Between 1960 and 1962, he worked as the director of child psychiatry in the U.S. Army Hospital in Frankfurt. Gardner had three children with his wife, Lee Gardner, before their eventual divorce. According to The Independent, he was actually married twice, but it appears that he successfully scrubbed nearly all information on his marriages and divorces from the Internet. That takes a lot of effort. Yeah. So, I don't know when to put in the content warnings. We're just going to go ahead and put in a big content warning here for, let's let's just say, divorce and any type of child abuse that you care to, to think about. Ugh. Well. Yeah. <laughs> I told you to get alcohol. I do have alcohol. I started drinking it before you showed up. You might want to get an extra alcohol and a pillow. This is like, there's there may be more screaming in this than anything we have ever done. It, is this guy famous? Barely. So, um, so, so you have any context to this. I have been, speaking of HBO Max, to which you absolutely should get a subscription. I am convinced it is on par with Netflix in terms huh. of best streaming services. But uh, I've been watching the Alan V. Farrow documentary series uh 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 yeah oh. yeah um Ooh. which was a really phenomenal documentary series this guy gets brought up it's obviously not about him he gets brought up uh, well you know how much i hate woody allen is it a lot it's yeah it's well cool i'm glad that it's like <laughs> When when you have a Venn diagram of people, if there's any crossover with Woody Allen, you know that you're in a bad place. <laughs> yeah. There there's there's some crossover with Woody Allen. There's very nearly some crossover with uh Daniel Carlton Guidecheck. 
Oh, what, what episode, a trio. Episode one. <laughs> what a fucking boy band that we've we've created. Mmm. Mmm. Mm. Mm. The boy band from hell. The, oh. Uh, Richard Gardner's big main gig that he lauded himself on and was very, very proud of was that from 1963 until his death, Gardner was a clinical professor at Columbia University's Medical School Division of Child and Adolescent Psychiatry. Or at least that's what he told people. In reality, he was an unpaid volunteer lecturer. Oh, that's different. That's different, but it's all about how you frame it on the resume. Mm-hmm. He also had some temporary international teaching positions from time to time, but that's just a garnish. He was like, I'm with Columbia. 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 Uh, Gardner was focused primarily on issues like divorce and child sexual abuse, and he made his money mainly as a forensic expert. Oh, well, I already don't mm, have feelings about that. In 1970, when women could finally get jobs and leave their husbands, the divorce rate kind of exploded. Uh, Gardner wrote- It's almost as if financial abuse is incredibly prevalent. <laughs> almost. <laughs> almost. Oh, Gardner wrote the insanely popular Boys and Girls book about divorce. And in 1973, he created one of the first therapeutic board games called The Talking, Feeling, and Doing Game for Use in Child Psychotherapy. I mean, if you if you play Monopoly for long enough, people will eventually just start shouting out their feelings. Yeah, uh, the the last couple times I played Monopoly has been with my niece, and she has again a very flexible concept about like tax fraud. Um, <laughs> so it's been fun. It's been way more fun, honestly. Yeah, I mean, capitalism is really, truly best through the uh, through the lens of, like, a six-year-old. <laughs> in the 1980s, uh, Richard Gardner became increasingly interested in cases of false accusation of sexual abuse. Uh, which, uh nope, nope, yep. nope, you are cancelled already. Which he considered a product of a deepening national hysteria. <sighs> Do you, do you, uh, I'm giving you another warning. Do you want to stop and get another alcohol and a pillow? I love how you call it another alcohol. Like, you need two alcohols for this episode. But minimum two alcohols. Minimum for this two episode. alcohols. Um, yeah. Yeah, we're just putting aside the beer because I've decided that this is sort of like a, a vodka crayon, hold the crayon. Yeah. Kind of episode already. <laughs> Just in the foreshadowing. Yeah. Um, heavy, heavy use of foreshadowing. Half to two-thirds of this is just quotes. Oh, cool. You you know that it's going to be a very cool and chill episode when that's the case. Well, I'm just like, I have nothing to say. Here's just shit he said. Yeah, Ginji, when I think of think of the, the, the people and things you bring before me on this altar of this fucking guy, I always think... The coolest and the chillest. I, you know, it was, it, you made fun of me those first couple episodes for just keep keeping bringing in the, the sexual predators. And so I stepped away from it a while. But, you know, what a better time to get what back to brand for you. I'm so happy <laughs> that this is the brand you have created. 
So last I heard, he made a really bad board game that made Monopoly interesting. Yeah. Um, so, uh, like I said, in the 1980s, he's becoming increasingly interested in cases of false accusation of child sexual abuse. And uh, again, here's... Here is uh, just your your final content warning, uh, strong content warning for child sexual abuse. Um, if this is a sensitive subject for you, we will see you fucking next week. There is no reason to keep listening to this. It is not especially going to let up. We love you regardless. We love you regardless. Take care of yourself. That's our self-care plan. Take care of yourself. Leave this episode yes. behind. Yes. Run. Run, run, run. In 1985, Gardner developed what would be his greatest? I guess we'll call it the greatest. Uh, his greatest contribution to child psychology called parental alienation syndrome. Oh. Wait. Yeah, I've heard of that. Yeah. We're gonna, uh, talk about it a lot and there's only so much time, so I'm just gonna call it PAS. So Gardner's theory of parental alienation syndrome focused on how one parent, usually the mother, manipulates and turns a child against another once beloved parent, usually the father. Quote, although the mothers in these situations may have a variety of motivations for programming their children against their fathers, the most common one relates to the old saying, Hell hath no fury like a woman scorned. I actually was thinking something different. I was, <laughs> oh my God, it's so psych 101. I was thinking of that, the one with like the different parenting styles. And I was like, is this like parental attachment? I was like, no, this is different. Um, parental alienation is a real concern with separating and divorced couples. Like mm -hmm. you see that a lot in custody battles where it's like you can't alienate one parent against the other. It goes both ways, Richard. Hey, Dick, can I call you Dick? Um, it goes both ways. It's not a woman thing. No, it's not a woman thing. And I mean, we're, we're, we'll just get to it. Um, so, so please do, let's remember that old Dick here, uh, was a part-time teacher and expert witness for hire. So when was he doing rigorous study with a statistically significant sample of children? Well, you see, this very scientific and legally admissible theory was based solely on his personal observations in work as an expert witness, usually on behalf of fathers accused of molesting their children. Yep. Yep. Yeah, so, uh, kind of burying the lead here, PAS was most commonly, or at least most notably, applied to cases in which fathers were accused of sexual abuse, because he was confident that this basically never happened, and it was always just a hysterical mother trying to turn their kid against a totally innocent father. Cool. What a cool take to have, Dick. He believed that this brainwashing was worse for kids than abuse and the only solution was to sever the relationship between the custodial non-abusive parent and the child oh my god <sighs> dick um <laughs> can i call you dick can i call you dick uh i'd mm, 
you know, you probably should die. Like, I'd love it if you just dropped it right here. No, right here, though. Mm. Here. Like, in this moment in history. Mm. Like, back in the 60s. Like, oh, we're in the we're in the eighties. I oh, wish this was the sixties. Whatever. This is... The point is, you should drop dead like at this point before you do more damage, Dick. If only. If only. So he listed the following as the symptoms associated with parental alienation syndrome that justified it being considered a syndrome. Because he was very touchy that yes, this is a syndrome. This isn't just like a phenomenon or a one-off thing. There's always. These symptoms associate with it. Uh-huh. So, one, a campaign of denigration. Two, weak, absurd, or frivolous rationalizations for the depreciation. Deprecation, deprecation. Okay. Three, lack of ambivalence. So, if you don't feel bad that you're accusing a parent of sexual abuse, you're making it up. Okay. Four, the independent thinker phenomenon. I don't know what the fuck that is. I didn't look it up. Five, reflexive support of the alienating parent in the parental conflict. So a preference for the parent that you're not accusing of child abuse. Okay, 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 yeah. I mean, yes, common sense. Like, clearly, if the abused child wants to be with the parent that has not abused them. That just, yeah, that, okay. Absence of guilt over cruelty to and or exploitation of the alienated parent. Uh Uh-huh. So not feeling bad about it. Is this the child supposed to feel this? Yes. Okay. Yes, the child is supposed to, if the child feels an absence of guilt over their being so cruel and clearly exploiting their parent who they say- Can children exploit parents? Uh... My answer would be no, as they are children and they barely have a fucking hippocampus. (laughs) Seven, the presence of borrowed scenarios, and eight- spread of the animosity to the friends and or extended family of the alienated parent. How dare your friends be mad at you for raping your own child? Like, hurtful, cruel. Mm. We had Mm. weekly poker games, guys. What else am I supposed to do on Thursdays? (laughs) Okay, so so my dad literally has a running poker game on Thursdays (laughs) with his friends. I had no idea. I, I need to be very clear. My dad legitimately flinched guy. Ginger's dad, you're awesome. I in no way intended that, but like, yeah. also hilarious. God, I'm so sorry, dad. Well, well, considering that I don't think you've shown any of these signs of PAS, clearly. No. Uh, uh. Gardner asserted that PAS is very common, and he saw manifestations of the syndrome in over 90% of the custody conflicts he evaluated, even when abuse allegations are not even fucking raised. Well, then what's the what's the so, point? So, so, in his mind, you have these poor kids who are just trying to weather their way through a divorce, and he looks at them and goes, you've got the look of a kid whose mom might make you one day claim that your dad molested you, even though no one has ever mentioned it before. Uh-huh. Gardner 
wrote about false allegations of sexual abuse in his just fucking insanely titled 1990 book, Sex Abuse Hysteria, Salem Witch Trials Revisited. Oh, what is it with men wanting to reclaim the Salem Witch Trials? They, oh, God. They they really want, they really, really want to be oppressed so badly. Uh, And like in this very specific way again with like witch hunts and whatever and it's like you know that the witch hunts were very specifically targeted at women and generally and minorities as well particularly europe like the roma people and stuff like that for like thinking and having land and not giving it to men like you know that's why they were all murdered horribly but like yes let's make it about you you know not, yeah. you know it's never about you so like i understand why you feel so lonely and sad yeah. and ignored Let's finally make it about the men, shall we? Yeah, I wonder how his own divorce went, also. Well, considering they're scrubbed from the internet. I bet it was totally normal and amicable. That's some John Wick shit. That is some fucking crazy-ass assassin, burn-off-your-fingertips shit. (laughs) Like, dude, I'm sure you can find fucking, like, I'm sure if you looked up my name... You could find all sorts of wacky shit, like my eighth grade, like, reading assignments or some shit. Yeah. I actually don't Google my name for that very reason. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to know what the internet knows. I'd like to live in ignorance. We should note that lots of psychiatrists have taken an issue with, uh, first of all, calling this a syndrome. And also, PAS has not been recognized by the American Psychiatric Association or any other medical or professional association. Well, yeah, because you need to have, like, research and proof first. Yeah. Experts say that the theory is explicitly biased against women, as allegations of abuse are usually directed at fathers, and that it is used as a weapon by lawyers seeking to undermine a mother's credibility in court, which... No shit. No shit. It's really funny. This is pinging a couple things for me. Um, First, like, you hear that sort of, like, men's rights activist claim about, like, how men are unjustly, like, oppressed in divorce proceedings. Like, well, men are the ones who never get custody of their children and, like, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, if you actually look at the statistics, Brendan... In cases where men sought custody, they're much more likely to win it. And it's shit like this. Yeah. That's why. So you're not even oppressed in the shit that you're talking about. Like, mm. get the fuck out of here with your fucking nasty, natty light. Like, how can I take you seriously as a human anyway? You're 38. <laughs> I definitely wrote this before the final episode of Ellen V. Farrow aired. Um, and I'm pretty sure in that last episode, they did cite that something like in 98% of cases where parental alienation s- syndrome is cited, the father is given custody. Yeah. Because that's the thing is that that's generally happens when a father seeks custody and statistics show I am pulling this a little bit out of my ass because I don't have the exact citations. Yeah, no, we, we're pulling all of this out of our ass listeners. But like it's it's an easily Googleable thing that like when men actually seek for full custody, they are much more likely to win it. Yeah. And it's shit like this. Thanks, Dick. The Journal of the American Academy of Child and Adolescent Psychiatry wrote in 1996 that a book of gardeners, Protocols for the Sex Abuse Evaluation, 
was a, quote, recipe for finding allegations of sexual abuse false under the guise of clinical and scientific objectivity, one suspects it will be a bestseller among defense attorneys. I don't trust any sort of document that starts with protocols. The protocols of the, like, it's just, mm, no. bad things happen down that path. Yeah, I'm trying, nope, there aren't any. <laughs> you heard it here, folks. Uh, his method for determining the reliability of sex abuse allegations was denounced by one noted domestic violence expert, John Conti of the University of Washington, as, quote, probably the most unscientific piece of garbage I've seen in the field in all my time. And there's some garbage in psychology, not a lie. Yeah. Gardner kept trying to get PAS put in the DSM, which is the Diagnostic Statistics Manual, which is basically just sort of like the here's all of the psychiatric conditions mm -hmm. book. Uh, but reputable psychiatrists lost their fucking minds and wrote letters opposing this, and it was not included in the DSM-5. It has been extensively criticized by scientists and jurists who describe it as inadmissible in child custody hearings based on both science and law. Despite many people seeing through the bullshit, Gardner is still considered a leading authority in family courts and has been described as the guru of child custody evaluations. Ooh, it's So this actually goes into a, a, a sort of the other area that I'm thinking about. So I got I actually started off um, my career in like forensic science and got a master's in forensic psychology. Like mm -hmm. I was really into this idea of criminal justice and working as part of the criminal justice system. And part of being getting into my master's of criminal psychology is talking about like, you know, psychology evaluations as part of the criminal process. And part of that is talking about expert witness testimony. Here's the fucking thing. You know how fucking easy it is to be an expert witness? Because all you have to do is for the judge to see, like, yeah, this guy's somewhat legit. And part of being legit is, like, having been an expert witness before. Yeah. So, like, the fact that this dude's been an expert witness a bunch, it doesn't matter that he spouted, like, by the way, like, dogs sing in the shower if you use cold water. Like, <laughs> oh, well, he said that at a bunch of other trials, so, like, he could be an expert witness in this one. Like, the the bar is so low. Yeah. So low. Although I'm pretty sure it was Alexander Graham Bell who said the dogs sing in the shower if it's cold enough. As long as his fist is down its throat. Oh, God. <laughs> Hello, my baby. Hello, my honey. Hello, my ragtime girl. <sighs> Dr. Gardner self-published books through his company, Creative Therapeutics, Inc., uh, about his theories. This meant they definitely didn't have to be and clearly were not peer-reviewed. Yep. Uh, he then sent books to family court judges throughout the country, yep. like totally unsolicited, just mailed them the fuck out. Uh, the judges were like, you know what? Women do be cray. This <laughs> seems totally legit. Never mind that the mainstream psychological establishment doesn't support the theory. <laughs> Ugh, I mean, that, yep. The, the criminal justice system is full of, uh, unfortunately, lawyers that become judges, and then they're like, well, I am a smart person. Therefore, I am an expert in literally all things smart people are experts in. So I don't need to learn at all anything. And yeah, it's cool. Yeah. Uh, 
generally speaking, it was easier for judges who at the time were largely anti-women, not that that's changed entirely, uh, to believe in PAS than it was for them to believe that child sexual abuse is common and can be committed by successful people. Yeah, I've been listening to, oh my gosh, now I have to think of the actual, I don't know, I've been listening to podcasts and they were talking about specifically sort of the 70s, which is when sort of child sexual abuse really became recognized as a phenomenon at all. Like, Mm -hmm. it really wasn't a thing that people recognize as like a common thing that happened ever. But it was really connected to dads having like emotional problems that could be solved through therapy so like it was the focus initially was really like this dad's poor fifis are being hurt and his pp's not being touched enough so the answer was let's get family therapy where we all tell the dad how sorry we are for him and make sure all of his needs are met yep we'll be getting to that yep yep it's cool Fortunately, not all judges bought in uh, by any means. Jacqueline Silberman, a New York judge, stated in a 1991 case that, quote, For the record, I have never heard a worse hired gun in my life than Dr. Gardner. And she uh, wondered aloud, quote, What is he doing at Columbia? <laughs> what is he doing at Columbia University? <laughs> <laughs> Being a volunteer, actually. Gardner, in a later court, ap- court appearance, countered by calling Silberman crazy. Huh. Which is a super cool thing to call a judge. Yeah, that won't get you, like, thrown in contempt. I mean, I'm ar- you're already in contempt, Dick. Yeah, but, you know. in our hearts. As you can imagine, Gardner and PAS have had a huge effect on how the courts handle allegations of child sexual abuse, especially during divorce. Gardner didn't just publish one or two books that he sent to judges. He authored more than 40 books and 300 articles for mental health professionals, the legal community, and families going through divorce. He also put out a bunch of cassettes and videotapes. I think the worst thing about these people, the worst thing about these fucking guys Mm. is that they work so hard. You know, Mm -hmm. I'm just like, could y'all be lazy motherfuckers for one fucking day? Yeah. 40 books? Take a fucking, like, that's the thing. That's what makes them these fucking guys is that they're just so motivated. There is not that much to say. (laughs) I mean, that said, Gardner's website does state that he testified in approximately 400 cases in more than 30 states. Gardner was so successful that a whole cottage industry of PAS experts and evaluators sprung up. This is part of the reason that literally thousands of children are placed in the hands of people who have abused them or their mothers each year. And the belief that unabused women and children often fabricate stories of abuse has worked its way into many facets of our society. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's this through line throughout the, um, Alan versus Pharaoh series of just people going like, well, that is so, it's so bad that it can't be true. Like, if it was something that was less bad, maybe we would believe it. Which is just... Ah. Bleh. Bleh. 
Um, speaking of which, Gardner often weighed in on cases that he didn't have fuck all to do with, including the allegations against Woody Allen in 1992. Mm. Supporting Mr. Allen, he told Newsweek that, quote, screaming sex abuse is a very effective way to wreak vengeance on a hated spouse. Yeah. When they're a sex abuser and you want to wreak vengeance for them sexually abusing your child. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe they deserve vengeance. I don't know. <laughs> Let's not get too hasty. I mean, I said that facetiously. It really sounded like I was serious there. <laughs> I was going to be like, Ginger, what? What? No. Were you temporarily possessed by the ghost of Dick Gardner? <laughs> <laughs> I had a little dick in me. Uh, um, who hasn't? So, I see a lot of people I should have said. <laughs> <sighs> So I think it's pretty clear that Gardner had some bizarre and extreme views on women, divorce, and sexual abuse. But don't take my word for it. Here's some bullshit that Gardner himself said. And this is like two pages because I could not narrow it down any more than this. Woof. There is a bit of pedophilia in every one of us. No, there isn't. <laughs> no, there isn't. Pedophilia has been considered the norm by the vast majority of individuals in the history of the world. So has slavery. Like, it's been bad the whole time, Dick. It is because our society overreacts to it, pedophilia, that children suffer. That's it. If only we were just super fucking chill about Adults having sex with children. Not a big deal, dude. Like, it's fine. He said that children are naturally sexual and may initiate sexual encounters by seducing the adult. Ooh, this and, man has had sex with children. And, <laughs> this man absolutely has sexually abused children. I allegedly, Mr. At Gardner's that. estate, allegedly. <laughs> oh, that is straight out of the pedo handbook oh my god he also said that if uh the sexual relationship is discovered uh quote the child is likely to fabricate so that the adult will be blamed for the initiation as they should be as they fucking should be. <laughs> jesus christ children don't have kneecaps until they're four dick like they can't be making these choices <laughs> He said that special care should be taken not to alienate the child from the molesting parent uh, and that the removal of a pedophile parent from the house, quote, should only be seriously considered after all attempts at treatment of the pedophilia and the reproachment with family have proven futile. Okay. Okay. Uh, he said that, um, and this is paraphrased, that therapy with the father should not be spent focusing on the primary problem like sexual abuse, but that it should be spent talking about other things, as the goal of therapy is, quote, to help people forget about their problems. No, it's not. Have you ever <laughs> been in therapy? <laughs> Dude, like, being in therapy is like having, like, the hardest workout of your life, but when your brain... Dude, I go to my therapy sessions, and my therapist's like, all right, let's go. Let's dig deep. Let's get in the guts. Fuck. 
One of the steps that society must take to deal with the present hysteria is to come off it and take a more realistic attitude toward pedophilic behavior. I don't know why, but I was just like, come. (laughs) (laughs) We are currently living in dangerous times, similar to Nazi Germany. Okay, no, 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 you, sir, sir, sir. Anytime anyone's trying to compare their experience and make it equal, and the and the thing they're comparing it to is Nazi Germany and the Holocaust, like, I'm sorry, oh, so six million people are being eradicated, like, you're, you're being literally sent to gas chambers, like, that's what's happening to you. He's like, no, 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 you don't understand. Some people on the internet hurt my feelings. Yeah, no, they're not comparable, dude. Unless you're literally in the midst of a genocide, they're not the fucking same thing. So fucking you and Gina Carano can go fuck yourselves. <laughs> <laughs> this is me screaming into the void. Hmm. There is no question that abuse cases are turn-ons for the wide variety of individuals involved in them. The accusers, the prosecutors, the lawyers, the judges, the evaluators, the psychologists, the reporters, the readers of the newspaper, and everyone else involved, except for the falsely accused and innocent victim, everyone is getting their jollies. I realize I'm taking these out of context, but also what the fuck? The only people who get turned on by child sexual abuse are the people committing child sexual abuse. I don't know how to describe. Like, that's literally what that means, Dick. Yeah. That one he did try to backtrack on and was like, I meant scintillated, not sexually aroused. But you still said it, Dick. Like you said, come off it, Dick. Come (laughs) off it. I... I'm sorry that I... Okay, quote, Many are victims of their greed, which is so enormous that they blind themselves to the psychological trauma they are subjecting their children to in the service of winning lawsuits that promise them enormous wealth. Oh, you know these men don't make money. I mean, some of them do. Like, what I mean, do you if they're like? hiring you, they probably do. I suppose, but like, come off it, man. Yeah. Quote, it is of interest that of all the ancient peoples, it may be well that the Jews were the only ones who were punitive towards pedophiles. Uh, Are- uh, <laughs> ah! <laughs> I told you to get a pillow. <laughs> no, everyone must hear me scream. Our present overreaction to pedophilia represents an exaggeration of Judeo-Christian principles and is a significant factor operative in Western society's atypicality with regard to such activities. I love how he had to add the Christian, the Judeo-Christian, because what he means is the Jews! (laughs) Like, oh my god, alright Henry Ford, calm down. Um, so he was asked once by an interviewer what a mother was supposed to do if her child complained of sexual abuse by the father, and he replied, quote, What would she say? Don't you say that about your father? If you do, I'll beat you. Cool. Cool, 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 cool. All right, all right, all right. Humanity is a disease. We deserve to be, we all deserve to die. Uh, don't say that before this last one, because this is either the worst or at least the most packed one. 
It's long. Okay. I'm, I'm, all right. I'm ready. And, and this is a, this is a fucking quote. It is likely that the mother has sexual problems. In many cases, she herself was sexually molested as a child. She may never have achieved an orgasm, in spite of the fact that she was sexually molested, in spite of the fact that she had many lovers, and in spite of the fact that she is now married. The therapist, then, does well to try to help her achieve such gratification. Visual statements about the pleasures of orgastic response are not likely to prove very useful. One has to e encourage experience under proper situations of relaxation, which will enable her to achieve the goal of orgastic response. Vibrators can be extremely useful in this regard, and one must try to overcome any inhibition she may have with regard to their use. Her own diminished guilt over masturbation will make it easier for her to encourage the practice in her daughter if this is warranted, and her increased sexuality may lessen the need for her husband to return to their daughter for sexual gratification. So the dad did sexually abuse his daughter. So you admit it. And so it's not a but lie. But it's the mom's fault. So it's mom's fault that the dad doesn't give a shit about whether she comes or not. So he has to sexually abuse his child, which again, you said was a lie, but this it happened here. But it's okay that it happened here because it's actually mom's fault. Just get her a Hitachi wand. <laughs> That's how you solve child sexual abuse. Get women Hitachi wands. I mean, honestly, like just get women Hitachi wands anyway. I mean, anyone with a vagina should have one. They're great. <laughs> but if your stance is that the Hitachi wand is going to is going to eliminate child sexual abuse, you don't understand child sexual abuse. I think he's made that pretty clear. He's made that very clear. I just really wanted to just underline it. Yeah. Right there. Mm-hmm. 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 In a 2002 article in the American Journal of Family Therapy, Gardner dismissed most of his critics as either biased or misinformed. Quote, Attorneys frequently select out-of-context material in order to enhance their position in courts of law. Some of these misperceptions and misrepresentations have become so widespread that I consider it judicious to formulate this statement. I realize that to an extent that's what I just did. But also, dude, it's not like you wrote psych after all of these. I mean, you can continue with the statement, but essentially what he just said was just um, whoever smelt it dealt it. <laughs> which is, like, hilarious to me. He's like, I mean, that's what I said, but it's not what I said said, you know? Uh, in the same article, Gardner denied that he condoned pedophilia saying, quote, I believe that pedophilia is a bad thing for society. No shit, dick. I mean, do you? Do you think that? Well, he did, he did continue saying, I do believe, however, that pedophilia, like all forms of atypical sexuality, is part of the human repertoire, and that all humans are born with the potential to develop any of the forms of atypical sexuality, which are referred to as paraphilias by dsm 4 this is a man who's never read the DSM because, dude, 
Pedophilia is different than child sexual abuse. They're not always the same. There might be a Venn diagram, but not all the time. <laughs> like, I realize. Uh, I'm not even going to get into well, it. Well, because sexual not- assault is about power dynamics, my man. It's not yeah. all about sexual pleasure. A lot of people who have who sexually assault children, the vast majority, actually are not attracted to children. Yeah. But that would require reading a book instead of your own 40 books that you write up. Oh, <laughs> I wonder if he ever read any books that weren't his. Oh, I doubt it, sincerely. Probably not. I mean, he straight up said anyone who does not agree with me is biased. True. Gardner also advocated against mandatory reporting laws for child abuse. Of course he did. Of course he did. Against immunity from prosecution of individuals reporting child abuse. Uh Uh-huh. And for the creation of programs with federal funding designed to assist individuals claimed to be falsely accused of child abuse. I'm so glad this man is in hell. <clears throat> I don't even believe in it, but that's where he is. Yeah. Ho- hopefully this episode can help alleviate that existential crisis and make it very clear <laughs> that there is an afterlife and that... Uh, Richard Gardner is in it and not ha- straight up not having a good time. Not having a good time. I'd like, I like. I I'm thinking something like Sisyphean, where he has to like pull, you know, push a rock of his own bullshit up the hill and then gets internally mm. crushed with it, or like crows plucking out your eyeballs, kind of thing. You know, like something yeah. very gory and Greek. Speaking of Greek, kind of not really. It just rhymes with something in here. Um, so reviewing articles about this dude there's like not a lot about him biographically on the internet but one thing that i did find was this article from the independent which referenced an article by the pittsburgh gazette which talked about this case that he was very heavily involved in which was the case of the greco family see greek Mm -hmm. greco Eh. um uh so beginning in 1993 Three teenage boys begged a family court judge not to force them to continue visits to their father because they said he was physically abusive towards them and their mother. Mm -hmm. So just to give you some background, army family, uh, dad and mom get divorced. It's sort of amicable. Mom decides to get remarried. Dad shoots her in her driveway. Uh, ah, as she, you do. She's okay. Uh, she, I guess, fights back and he gets like a couple stitches. She has a fucking gunshot wound, so I'm still on her side here. And like the kids say that he threw at least one of, get, one of them against the wall several times and was verbally abusive towards them after that point. Well, I mean, it seems to add up to me. A man who just shoots his ex-wife in a driveway possibly has violent tendencies i don't know just reading into it a bit and the kids were like hey you kind of shot our mom we'd rather not fair i'd say so that that's sort of the background on that um in 1996 their father hired a very special expert witness for the child custody battle and you know who the expert witness working for the father it's dick it's dick 
Dick is here. Come on off it. (laughs) (sighs) Gardner insisted that the boys were lying and had been brainwashed by their mother. Even though the mother's attorney rejected his request to interview her or the boys, Gardner concluded that um, the mom's last name was Scott, that Scott was sadistic in failing to allow Grico to visit his children on two occasions, <gasps> in that the children were sadistic in how they treated their father, <gasps> and had, quote, indeed been injured psychologically and mentally by their programming mother. Is is perhaps the dad sadistic for shooting his ex-wife in a driveway? Who's to say? <laughs> perhaps... Not to go into a whole thing, but perhaps he's, he was just having a very bad day. It's uh, <laughs> uh, great. America's great. It gets worse. He recommended something called threat therapy. Quote, these children need coercion to see their father, he said. If they are forced to visit him, they, quote, then will most likely relax with their father. Uh, I'm sorry. Threat therapy isn't a thing. That does not exist. That's not how literally anything works. I mean, tell that to Richard Gardner. (laughs) I mean, I would. Is he dead? Yes, get a Ouija board. Then I will go to his grave and scream at him that this is not Mm. how it works. Um, He said that the penalty for not complying with this threat therapy and, like, forcing them and the mother to let the kids spend time with their dad uh, should be that the mom goes to jail. And the court said okay. (sighs) And this is why, sorry, Susie Cream Cheese and Todd Cream Cheese. Lawyers and judges are the dumbest people. All other lawyers. All other lawyers are the fucking dumbest people. Oh my god! You know what? Maybe I'm wrong. No, actually, I will take back what I said. Lawyers are not always dumb. Judges are idiots. Lawyers (laughs) who are idiots become judges. Yeah. (laughs) Sue me! What are you going to do? Please don't. No we are not worth we are not worth fuck all. You you may have noticed by the lack of Casper mattress ads <laughs> on this podcast. We are not worth a goddamn I thing. I haven't advertised for Casper or me undies once. <laughs> no, me undies make my butt look so weird. I there I've said it. I bought into the hype. They cut into all of my chub. They make me look like one of those, you know, the shitty pieces of Chex Mix that are just sort of like... I mean, they are very soft underwear. I do have a couple pairs. They are very soft. Yes, I cut mine up and turned them into eyeglass cloths. I did I did buy them 20 pounds ago. So I'm like, ooh, ooh, this is a... You know, you know how it's supposed to be a cheeky? It's... It's cheeky, all right. Um, it's a thong. So I'm like, I'm just going to get my cheap-ass underwear elsewhere. Um. So, yeah, uh, based on Gardner's feedback, Scott was awarded custody, so the mom was awarded custody, but was ordered to facilitate frequent visitation with Grico, the father. The boys got super depressed after visiting their father, which uh, the director of the court-ordered therapy program for the boys said could be, quote, 
directly attributed to the mother, who is not fulfilling her obligation to bring the boys in a positive frame of mind regarding visits. Sure. It's the it's the woman's fault. Yeah. Uh, but then two months later, the dad had to go back to court due to hitting incidents. Oh, like, oh, like abuse? Is uh, that what happened? They're only willing to call it hitting incidents uh-huh. that had occurred during, during a two-week vacation with the boys during the summer of 1997. Uh, don't you worry, though. The court made him enroll in a therapy program that he only went to occasionally. Cool. With no penalties that I could discern. Uh, but they- Well, he's a man, Ginger. Why would he get penalized? Well, but they did keep that threat therapy in place, so if the mom didn't deliver her kids to the guy who was beating them, she would go to jail. You know? Nothing seems wrong here. This passes my smell test. I can't smell a thing, but it passes it. The coolest. The chillest. Mm Mm-hmm. Shortly afterwards, uh, the 16-year-old eldest of the brothers died of a probable suicide after writing essays in his creative writing class about how life had become an endless torment. Gardner in the court somehow looked at this and just said, Classic PAS, this wasn't our fault. Uh Uh-huh. And they kept forcing the two surviving kids to keep visiting their dad. I mean, it, you know, if you think about it, that, that letter that the kid wrote saying, my dad hits me, I hate him, I want to die, it's really about the mom, right? It's really mm. about the mom. It was only after an expose in the Pittsburgh Gazette that custody arrangements for the two surviving boys were changed. Public shaming sometimes works. Occasionally. Oh, uh, additionally, in one of his earliest cases, a Maryland mother that he labeled a parental alienator, unfit to retain custody of her children, was subsequently shot dead by her ex-husband. Still, Gardner did not change his view that the wife was the true villain, because her lies, he insisted, had made the husband temporarily psychotic. Life is so much easier when you've already chosen your conclusion and you work backwards. Mm -hmm. It's just like, everything makes sense if you just stick to the conclusion you've already chosen without evidence. Near the end of his life, Gardner made it a point to really delve into the criticisms about him and try to debunk them. He had on his website an entire... (laughs) You know that this is the the a sign of a life well lived. An entire section of his website devoted to debunking misinformation about me and my theories. Cool. You and Care Rivera with her bleach cure. So, you know, what great company to keep. Mm. He did a bad job, and here are some of the highlights. I've read this entire it's probably like ten pages of shit. Wow. Um And just all of the bangers, all of the highlights. Uh, He tries to compare criticism of his work to scrutiny of DNA evidence during the O.J. Simpson trial. And he extends that metaphor by saying that O.J. Simpson would have fought for DNA evidence to be admissible if he really didn't commit the crime. So by extension, all mothers who have not brainwashed their children should be advocates of PAS if they really have nothing to hide. 
which is really dementia is a mm. hell of an illness. <laughs> Just gotta say. He says that because fathers accused of sexual abuse agree with him, that it means that his theory is accurate. Basically, I'm paraphrasing heavily, sure, but sure, sure. yeah, uh, he promises that PAS will be included in the DSM five really soon, guys. Uh huh. Uh-huh. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah, 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 uh-huh. yeah, definitely. He said this thing, which is way too long a quote. And I should have excerpted it, but just here's here's just his full scree of bullshit. A tree exists as a tree, regardless of the reactions of those looking at it. A tree still exists, even though some might give it another name. If a dictionary selectively decides to omit the word tree from its compilation of words, that does not mean the tree does not exist. It only means that the people who wrote that book decided not to include that particular word. Similarly, for someone to look at a tree and say, the tree does not exist, does not cause the tree to evaporate. It only indicates that the viewer, for whatever reason, does not wish to see what is right in front of him or her. If a tree falls in the woods, are you still a piece of shit? (laughs) You sure are, Dick. You sure are. He implies that uh, his theory is credible because he's written about it a lot on his website, and if it exists on the internet, it must be real. Oh, like my fanfiction. Same thing. Your fanfiction is real. Ha ha! That means that Destiel is canon, fuckers! You heard it here! (laughs) Destiel is canon. I don't (laughs) care. I don't care who says otherwise. Um, He said this dumb thing, quote, Blaming the person who originally described this disorder is the equivalent of blaming Henry Ford for automobile accidents or the Wright brothers for airplane fatalities. That metaphor is poor. It's At poor, best. and also, I don't blame Henry Ford for automobile deaths, Dick. I blame him for the Holocaust a little bit, but not for <laughs> automobile deaths. I do blame him for that what what the fucking quadricycle shit that had no brakes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Who knows how many lives that complained? Big, big Auto does not want you to well, know. You know, you know that Henry Ford directly caused... Matthew Crawley's death in Downton Abbey. That's fucking true. So, absolutely, fuck Henry Ford. (laughs) Uh, He essentially claims that you know a case of child abuse is real because because a PAS diagnosis has not been applied. Uh, And he also says that he never said all of the things that he said despite writing them in many books and articles. Um, And he vehemently denies that his work is by is biased against women in any way, despite much of his work being explicitly biased against women. Uh Here's an example from a report filed in the Greco case. Uh, Gardner noted that, quote, PAS mothers have a way of finding therapists, almost invariably women, who reflexively join them in their campaign of denigration of the father, and in some cases even join the mother's paranoid delusional system. Guys, I don't hate women. I just think that all women are fucking idiots. How does that make me a misogynist? All women just happen to fall into every paranoid delusion. Like, I That's not misogyny. I read the red pill on Reddit. (laughs) (laughs) Dr. Gardner completed suicide at his New Jersey home on May 25th 2003 at the age of 72. Whoa, what? <laughs> Sorry, that, 
That was not the ending. I nope, you wouldn't. Well, well, uh, it was shortly after failing to appear in court. I usually would not go into detail on how he committed suicide or completed suicide, except that he reportedly used a kitchen knife to stab himself multiple times in the chest and neck. Which definitely has an air of shot himself five times in the head. Classic suicide. And then he ran into my knife. He ran into my knife ten times. He had it coming. He, he had, had it coming. coming. I know that because of lag, that's going to sound so bad, but it sounded good in the moment. Uh, I there was a there was a link in the article that mentioned all of the stabbing for the autopsy report, which has also been scrubbed from the internet. Huh. He had it coming. <laughs> he only had himself to blame. For what it's worth, and this has been even since I wrote it, there have been articles like popping up all over the internet about like, holy shit, did you watch the Alan V. Farrow documentary? Have you heard of parental alienation syndrome? Isn't this a bunch of bullshit? Um, so that's good. Yeah, maybe things are getting better. A little too early to say, but... Well, eh. at least he's dead. At least he's dead. On that note, let's get that self-care plan. Okay. So, I tried looking up self-care tips for trauma survivors and just ended up finding some, like, absolute fire self-care tips. So, here's three of my favorites. Look ahead to your upcoming week or month and see if there are any obligations that you can remove or delegate to someone else. Love it. Do it. We'll delegate all of my responsibilities if humanly possible. Um, Honestly, that's all I live for. Like, on, yeah. if I had the money, I would get a personal assistant in like five seconds. I just want someone to run my life for me. Reach out to a support group or group chat for some positive reinforcement. Or memes, if it's a group chat. Brother, can you spare a possum? <laughs> the most recent meme I sent to uh, <laughs> Ginger and Susie Cream Cheese was this dude who was inex like completely baffled that gay men could call each other babe. And when someone responded, well, they're gay, dude, they can like call each other pet names. He responded, I thought gay people called each other like, hot cock or something <laughs> just something way which is now my new nickname for my husband when he comes home <laughs> and i'm gonna be like hey hot cock and just see what he i mean don't, don't make it a gendered thing i definitely scheduled uh this recording with ren by texting her hey hot cock what you doing later <laughs> hot cock is gender neutral uh and should just be adopted into our lexicon Finally, wash your face, brush your teeth, take a shower, change your clothes. Sometimes that's all you can do, but it can make you feel so much better. And it can wash the stank of this podcast away, uh, hopefully. Oh my god. I cleanse. I hate him so much, Ren. I know that we say that often, but like, especially... Again, I'm just glad you're dead, dude. Yeah. That's going to be all for us this week, <laughs> folks. If you like what you're hearing, you should check us out on thisfnguypod.com. 
Um, all our social media is also this FN guy pod. We're having a little bit of issues with our Facebook. <laughs> um, we're trying to figure that out. I promise that we will emerge from the ashes like a phoenix, like a very sarcastic phoenix rising. Um, but it might be called something a little different. We're trying to figure that out because yeah. we got zucked. We got zucked hard, y'all. We got zucked in the stupidest way possible <laughs> because trolls kept reporting our posts. And then even though Facebook sided with us for every one of them, they were like, too many of your posts went against community standards, we guess. I don't know. Our algorithm does not work. Our and- algorithm is only good at two things, okay? Getting you radicalized as a white supremacist and Russian bots. Like, that's all we got, okay? Best I can do is Russian bots. So, uh, Ginger and I are talking about uh, some future content for our Patreon. We're also playing around with the idea of a YouTube channel, y'all. Ooh. So, like, you know, again, just be excited for what's on the horizon. Uh, the, the new theme song or the new yes. art? We, we have new logos drawn by Ginger because I am completely, I'm, I'm practically illiterate, y'all. Your, um, your sketch for what the logo should look like was fucking amazing, though, and that will be the cover for all of our, like, Patreon episodes, yeah, it's, though. Oh my god. I am an artiste. What did you call it? <laughs> Pure shite. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, so we have, we're, we're cooking up a new logo, um, we're cooking up a new theme song, so be very excited about that. Yes, new theme song, largely courtesy of Ginger's dad, who, again, cannot say it enough, is not a pedophile. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, Ginger's dad is a man who loves a marching band. He loves a poker game, especially on Thursdays. does not know what a furry is, so. No. No. Why are you putting me in a position where I have to explain something again? Because that, you know, there's some bits that we just want to keep going. And that I love, this is my favorite bit, Ginger having to explain to her dad things. And this time it's furries. As always, I'm Ginger Golub. I am Ren Martinez. And here's a bonus self-care tip. Look on Urban Dictionary what a furry is. Don't just put it in Google. <laughs> <sighs> also, don't be this fucking guy. Peace. Peace. This fucking guy.